20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into an all new episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. It's a Thursday. You know what that means. I'm joined once again by the great Sam Monson. You can follow him on Twitter at PFF under, underscore Sam. You can find him on the PFF NFL podcast. Sam, welcome back. The Packers are somehow six and six, holding the number seven seed in the NFL playoffs. I don't know how it happened. I'm hoping that you can enlighten us all. But uh, how have you been? And uh, welcome back to the show. Yeah, I've been good. Absolutely. It's a, it's a different mood around Green Bay now than when we were doing this earlier in the season. Big time. It really, really has. And it's still sort of hard to put into words. It was like you get that win against the Chargers. The Chargers kind of cough some things up and you kind of take it a little bit with a grain of salt. You go into Detroit, win on Thanksgiving, and maybe you're thinking, all right, well, it, the Lions haven't been playing the greatest. It's a Thursday game. Weird things happen on Thursdays. Maybe you don't take it too seriously. Then you follow it up with a win at home against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Let's start with that most recent game. What were your key takeaways from that Packers-Chiefs game and the way that this Packers team is playing right now? Yeah, I mean, there's a different cachet involved when you're beating the Chiefs, right? You know, even even though Detroit is a good team this year and, and they're expected to do things, they haven't done them yet. And you can always put that down to, well, the Lions are still the Lions, right? But the Chiefs are not. Like, we know the Chiefs are a good team, even if they're not maybe where they've been the last couple of years this year. They are still the defending Super Bowl champions. They're still a very good side. They still have Patrick Mahomes. So... To, to beat that team is a completely different prospect and to do it in the same kind of way, which is, you know, all the things from last week with the Lions were pretty much the same, right? Their, their pass rush, uh, Green Bay's, that is, stood up at critical moments. It didn't necessarily overwhelm the Chiefs all game long, but it, it came up big in critical third down situations, got that Chiefs offense off the field. Um, they had some big plays from some of the guys that have been making them in recent weeks. Christian Watson made another couple of really nice plays uh, before, obviously, that that hamstring injury right at the end. And Jordan Love, again, like went, has gone from being this inaccurate, problematic quarterback with ball location who was making some mistakes to has just been dialed in and laser focused and laser accurate the last few weeks. And that changes everything. I mean, we said for weeks, you know, the same thing that this is an offense that just keeps making too many mistakes, right? And it starts with the quarterback and it, it spreads out from there. And they're just not at the moment. Like Jordan Love has been so much more accurate, so much um, more like mistake free than he was during that early run. And that permeates throughout everybody else in the offense. The level of efficiency has been really impressive from Jordan just overall to, to your point. I'm curious. We're obviously like a, a, just a cog in the machine, Sam. When everything goes well, we're up here. When things don't go well, we're down there. And like the, the waves are easy to ride. And I've kind of been saying similar to kind of what Aaron Rodgers said this past week of like, hey, let's not crown him. Let's not cancel him. However, we want to view that. But um, I'm kind of in the same of like. Man, if all of a sudden he has another few bad weeks, it's going to be the same thing where we're coming back down and be like, all right, can he be the guy? Are there consistency issues? At the same token, these last few weeks, as you're mentioning, have been astonishing. They've been really freaking good. And I'm just curious as to where you're at. If just kind of tight, you know, taking a, a step back, 
understanding that, hey, some of those low points that happened earlier in the season still happened as a part of this. Some of these high points have very much happened as a part of this. And we all know that we have to kind of let this play out longer. We need a larger sample size overall. But um, how do you view Jordan overall now through the course of this season? Yeah, and look, even if he does come back down and and it sort of settles back to where it was before, the fact that he's shown this run of play means yeah. it's different, right? It's not the same even if he comes back and ends up in the same kind of area as he was before because until now, we didn't know that he could hit these heights. It was theoretical. Yeah. It was maybe if he puts it together, but for a, a player in particular who – you know, accuracy and efficiency and and every down consistency has been his biggest question mark forever. Like even dating back to his college career, showing that for a period of games, even if it was only a run of three or four games, does change what you think he can be and what and where you are on him going forward, because you know that's in there now, right? Before it was just a theoretical construct and we didn't really know if he could achieve it. It's like, you know, maybe if he irons it all out. Now we've seen it happen. We've seen it happen against some good teams. So it's at least in there. The question is, can we get it back? Can we do it over 16 games, 17 games, all those kinds of things. But I think showing it for this run, particularly against a defense like the Chiefs, for him in particular is huge because, you know, he can now go to the team, you know, and, and they can have conversations where he's saying, look, I can, I can do this, right? And you've seen me do it. And now when these young receivers get another year of experience, like this can be something special. They can buy into that, even if he regresses over the next few weeks and sort of settles, you know, back down to something similar to what he was before. Could not agree more. Adding the not only the receiver part, but if they could get a consistent, solid running game going, I'm sure that would do wonders as well. But when you put that in the ether and when you show like, hey, against especially the bookend of like his first game against Kansas City, against this game against Kansas City. And again, Detroit hadn't been playing great on defense. It's still a big win in Detroit. But this Kansas City defense had been really phenomenal up until this point. And to do that against them, I think, put the most points up on the Chiefs that anyone had put up all season. That's different. And for a Green Bay team, we'll have all the conversations of if he's going to sign a long-term deal in Green Bay, if he's the franchise guy, all that stuff's going to come and is starting to have those conversations already. But if for Green Bay, they draft him when Aaron is in town, they develop him, they give him all the time, they kick Aaron Rodgers out of town, they give him the starting quarterback job, and then they see this and they see like sort of the fruits of their labor – they're not quitting this guy at any given point. Like he is going to be, I think here for a very long time. And I would be pretty surprised no matter what, just because again, we've seen now the high highs that he put out there. I, I just think he's going to be in green Bay for a while after this now. Yeah. I mean, clearly they're going to be looking for reasons to keep him, not reasons to get rid of him, right? Like they're, they're exactly. going to be invested in his success more than they're invested in his failure. So they're going to see any, positivity as a reason for optimism rather than looking at it, you know, with a, a kind of cynical viewpoint saying, you know, we, we only saw this for a few games and this isn't his baseline. This is just his uh, high end. Like we, we should actually move on. They're going to be using this as a reason to keep him, even if it does again, dissipate, which it might not like he maybe a flip uh, a switch has been flipped for him which would be very, very nice. And time will tell, and it'll be kind of fun to watch over the remainder of this season. I wanted to ask you about some of the top grades in this game. You mentioned a couple of them already. Obviously, Jordan Love, we've been discussing 91.8 grade against the Chiefs. 
Christian Watson, 88.9 prior to going out with that injury, as you mentioned. Then on the defensive side, a nice positive grade for Darnell Savage coming back from injury, 85.0. I know he had a pass breakup, had a nice play behind the line of scrimmage in the run game. But uh, what did you see out of those three players in particular that uh, bumped those grades up so far this week? Yeah, I mean, we we talked about it with love already, right? It was just the the accuracy is is different. It's not the same. The ball location, the, the stuff that doesn't necessarily paint an accurate an accurate picture of completion rate, adjusted completion rate, just where he's putting the ball. Um, and we've seen that again for the the second or third week in a row. It's different. I mean, he he is not making the mistakes with that with ball location that he was. Even the the Christian Watson touchdown. Um, it's, it's high, it's away from coverage. It's right where only Watson can get it. It's a perfectly thrown pass. And that earlier in the season, that ball would be half a yard in a different direction. And maybe it's not catchable, or maybe the DB breaks it up or, you know, something would have gone wrong in that play because the ball location wouldn't have been there. And now it is now. And that's, you magnify that by, you know, 25 passes in the game. And that's really the difference that we're seeing is Jordan Love is just, significantly more more accurate with his ball location than he was earlier in the season and players like christian watson are therefore reaping the benefits of that um yeah savage you, you mentioned the pass breakup was a nice play on on travis kelsey where he sort of drives on that um dig route across the middle he had a play down by the goal line where he sort of knifed in and, and made a tackle uh at the line of scrimmage he had another one on um isaiah pacheco as well where he just Again, didn't hesitate at the line, just charged in after him, made plays. Kind of looked, it reminded me a lot more of, you know, Maryland Darnell Savage, where he just went 100 miles an hour at everything and made the plays this time. Hasn't always done that in the NFL, but this was one of those games. No, that's been probably my favorite part of Darnell Savage this season is that he's just playing faster. And I think they've kind of got it through to him finally of like, hey, if you make mistakes, fine, so be it, but make them fast. Because when he's playing fast and when he's playing aggressive, it's a totally different Darnell Savage. There became times over the past couple of seasons where I felt like he became a little bit more passive, maybe was a little bit unsure and just was thinking out there. And a thinking Darnell Savage is usually not a good Darnell Savage of flying around almost Bob Sanders-esque Darnell Savage seems yeah. to be a lot better version of him. And I think we saw that again this week, which is a, a real positive for him. Hopefully something he can continue moving forward. I wanted to ask you about a couple of the grades because I got asked about these and people on Twitter were saying, ask Sam, ask Sam, we want to know. So there are two controversial calls on that last, well, there were a lot of controversial calls on that last drive <laughs> in the game, but two in particular, the Carrington Valentine pass interference, non-pass interference, and the Jonathan Owens late hit on um uh, obviously on Patrick Mahomes so I'm curious your thoughts on how PFF goes into that process of there's no call on Carrington Valentine probably should have been there is a call on Jonathan Owens probably shouldn't have been how do you kind of go about assessing those grades when there was a penalty or not a penalty called on a play yeah so we treat penalties um and we try not to do too much guesswork in terms of, you know, this playing official when the call didn't go in a particular way. Now, what we do, is, what we definitely do is say, well, this is an objectively terrible call and therefore not downgrade a guy. Right. So the right. hit out of bounds is a good example. That is an objectively bad call. You saw it in a million replays. It should not have been a penalty. He was still in the field of play. So he won't get downgraded for that because it, it just shouldn't have been a penalty. Um, now, the other one is more interesting because, you know, that's a play where 
it should have been pass interference, but that's the call that we don't like to make too much when it comes to to the grading and say, well, that that definitely should have been pass interference. Um, so let's downgrade him for that. And I actually forgot I hadn't checked whether or not we did make that call and ding him for it. I'm just looking it up now. Yeah, so we did in fact penalize him that. Not actually, I think, because of the pass interference, but because at the point the ball is put in the air and at the point like he's beaten, he's he's trailing yeah. the play, he's a yard behind, there is separation there. And if he doesn't leap all over the back of him and make that play, it would have been a big completion at a critical point. So Valentine did, does get downgraded for that. And it would take an egregious no call like the one we got for us to play official on that play. If it was closer, you know, if it was a bang, bang play, if it was just a lot more marginal, he would probably get away with it and we wouldn't downgrade him on the play. We would say, look, sometimes officials miss, you know, close yeah. calls and it, it's it's debatable. This one, I think, was so egregious that he does cop a downgrade for it. Yeah, and I think from a process standpoint, if you if you play that play out 99 times out of 100, I think he probably gets a penalty on that play. Right. Um, and if he doesn't commit the penalty, like you said, probably gives up a big play in that situation. So I, I totally agree with that and totally agree with the Jonathan Owens one as well, where tough to penalize a guy, at least from a grading standpoint. They clearly penalized him in the game. But from a grading standpoint, when it was a clean hit and he's doing everything he can to make sure that he stays in balance on that play, like – I don't know what more he's supposed to do, especially when both guys are flying at the same angle at the same time. Like that is, that is a tough, tough call. But as we know, uh, a lot of interesting calls late in that game, some went for either team and uh, Hey, for, from a green Bay standpoint, don't correct any of it. I'll take it exactly as it went. And green Bay gets out of there with a win. Um, I wanted to ask you about this Packers defense because in green Bay, there's a lot of interesting talk and conversation about Joe Barry. I think there's a general disdain and distaste for the way that Joe Barry kind of runs the defense. It's a little bit more passive. It's not necessarily that uncommon with what goes on in a lot of the NFL right now, but a lot of fans don't like the style of play. There's some really weird situational stuff where, um, you know, it'll be like a third and one and everyone's playing eight yards off the ball. There's just stuff like that that I think irks a lot of people. Then you kind of look at everything and you're like, all right, they're ninth in points. They're 10th in passing defense, 30th in rushing defense, which obviously not great. 24th in turnover percentage. PFF has them as 14th in defensive grades uh, overall for for defensive player grades. Um, They haven't allowed over 25 points in the last 17 games other than one time against the Lions earlier this year. And they just held the Kansas City Chiefs to 19 points. And when the game was on the line, Chiefs get the ball down 21-19. They get a three and out. They get the ball down 24-19. They get the interception. They get the ball down 27-19. And they get the turnover on down slash end of game at the end of, uh, at the end of the game on this one. So how, how on the outside looking in are you evaluating this Packers defense and the job that Joe Barry's doing overall? Hey, friends. I'm sure you're all familiar with some of the hassles of finding game tickets at a reasonable price without all the headaches that go along with it. I've been on a bit of a roll lately as I went through one ticketing service that never sent me the tickets and I had to panically try to get a hold of somebody the day of the game. I had another service that didn't allow me to transfer tickets. So when I could no longer go to the Wisconsin Iowa game, transferring the tickets was extremely difficult. It was just all so frustrating. That was until I found GameTime. GameTime is so easy to use with a low price guarantee, event cancellation protection, easy to find tickets, and an even easier to use app. 
GameTime is the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds and they are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through emails and have those same panicky moments that I did the day of a game. So next time you're buying tickets, make sure you snag them using GameTime, stress-free. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code PACKADAY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PACKADAY for $20 off. Oh, and GameTime is also a great way to buy tickets for a holiday gift. Just make sure to use code PACKADAY. Download GameTime today, last minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. Hey there. I'm sure you've heard a ton about daily fantasy sports, but I'm here to tell you that you've never experienced anything quite like prize picks. With basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three points made plus receptions. Even more fun yet? Do you want to play alongside some of Prize Picks' favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz? You can now find community plays under the Promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the Prize Picks community each week. I've had so much fun making Prize Picks a part of my daily fantasy sports routine. They cover all of my favorite sports, have a ton of variety and different options to choose from, and the player choices are immense. I even had a fun J.K. Scott selection the other day for the Chargers game. I recently had a big win on Saturday morning in a London game, and it just made the viewing experience so much more enjoyable. It's fun, it's exciting, it's easy, and there's a level of creativity and uniqueness about it that I really, really enjoy. So go to prizepicks.com slash packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Yeah, and they've been, yeah, and this is true for a lot of teams, but they're also one of them. They've been missing some key players on defense as well. So it's not like they have you know, 100% healthy unit and you're definitely dealing with a, a version of a depleted team, a less than 100% version of what this defense should look like. Um, I, I think, honestly, it's, it, it's sort of like it's the cop-out answer, which is it's somewhere in the middle. There's some good, there's yeah. some bad. The overall results are not terrible, but there's absolutely things that are legitimate criticisms and reasons to be annoyed and, you know, some low hanging fruit um, and some, some sort of bad calls and bad situational stuff that is absolutely a, a perfectly reasonable thing to, to pick up on, to complain about and to, you know, be annoyed with the question be, then becomes, okay, now where's the tipping point? Like where do those bad situational things do the small things that are irritating and maybe should be better. Like at what point do those become so much that you go, all right, forget it, we need to make a change and then try and get, you know, that's that becomes the difficult question, right? It's definitely not where it should be, but where it is isn't bad. And there's always the risk that you get worse if you do anything drastic and, you know, make a change and go in a different direction. So I think this is the story for a lot of teams and a lot of units in the NFL. Yeah. there's reasons that people are upset with it and they're not unreasonable. They're not unjustified. There's absolutely a kernel of truth there. But the question becomes, is it such a problem that you have to do something as drastic as firing the guy in charge and moving in a completely different direction? Because that can go both ways. That's a, that's a double edged short. It is. And Green Bay knows it very well because everyone was asking for the firing of Dom Capers and they brought they fired him and bring in uh, Mike Patton. They bring in Mike Patton and everyone's asking to fire Mike Patton and they fire Mike Patton. They bring in Joe Barry and everyone's asking to fire Joe Barry. And I'm in lockstep with you 100 percent. I feel like 
it's not good enough where you're like, this is great. I feel really good about it. There's those moments that make you want to put your head through the wall, but it's not bad enough yet either. Where I'm just like, there's a clear and obvious like fire Joe Barry movement where I'm just like, man, I don't know. Like it's, it's kind of just fine. And I don't know that it's ever going to be good enough that you feel great going into a playoff matchup. And just like you said, some of those things that you can nitpick at are probably going to show up at some inopportune times. So I don't feel great about it, but I also don't feel great. Like, just jumping on the bad wagon and being like, this has been terrible because it hasn't like, it's legitimately not been terrible. And at times it's actually been pretty darn good. So I I'm in the middle too. And I, I don't know how to feel about it if I'm being honest. Yeah. And there comes a point where, you know, there's simply a, a critical mass of like just being okay. Right. At some point, just being okay for a period of time is not good enough. You need to see yeah. improvement and getting better and the ceiling higher than that. So but, but the question is, again, how long do you need that to be the case before you're like, all right, enough of this. We need to make a change. We need to move in a different direction. We need to have higher aspirations than this. But I don't think we've hit that time now. I think there's there's still enough of a time period where we could get better that you don't need to go. You don't need to be that um, not even knee jerk, but reactionary yet. Uh, but there, there's absolutely a point where if it doesn't get better, you know, that's a discussion to be had. Big time. And I think we'll see what happens. There's been some reports that maybe Barry's contract is up in the offseason, so maybe they wouldn't even have to fire him. They could just go potentially in a different direction, but we've got a long way to go before we get there. Sam, as you can imagine, and as you kind of mentioned at the onset, like th- like this is a different Green Bay conversation than we were having a few weeks ago. Packers 3-0 in their last three games, 4-5 and overall. As you can imagine, hope is springing eternal in Green Bay. Playoff talks, how far can this team go? Jordan loves the guy. Everything is just, you know, sunshine, rainbows, unicorns, and everything else. But I want you to do the best you can to just because the NFL has a way, just when any team's starting to feel a little bit good about themselves, you get punched in the face. And hopefully it's not by Tommy DeVito, but that's just the Mm. way the NFL works sometimes. So, what is something or maybe a few things that are giving you a little bit? you know, cause for concern moving forward and things that this Green Bay team still needs to develop and work on, even though they're in the midst of this really impressive streak. Yeah, that's the funny thing. Like everything's looking good. And then you look at their schedule and, you know, the floor hasn't lost in December and you look at what's (laughs) upcoming. You're like, none of those games are games they should lose. I mean, the Giants, the Bucks, the Panthers, the Vikings and the Bears, like those are all you, you should win four of those five yep. games. And even the fifth one is like a toss up. It's 50 50. And, you know, who knows what the Vikings will do in any given week. So, you know, that it's it's a schedule that should propel them into the playoffs on a winning run and on the kind of trajectory where nobody wants to play this team. Um, yep. The only note of caution is either what you said, which is, look, the NFL is weird, right? And in any given week, you're going to get a random game from somebody that makes no sense whatsoever, but they end up winning it. Um, yep. And then the other thing is, you know, this this there are still weaknesses to the team, right? Like it's still not, it's still a bad run blocking offensive line. There there is no run game to speak of. I mean, they, they have struggled to do that yep. to operate that part of it in the entire season, and that's not going to matter in a lot of games. But if you're now grading on a curve of this is a playoff team now well it matters more in the postseason right every weakness gets magnified in the postseason and every deficiency uh becomes a bigger problem so the fact that this team struggles to run the ball and struggles to stop the run at times becomes a bigger problem in the playoffs when you now have to start thinking about philadelphia and san francisco and you know these best teams in the nfl 
Um, and then as good as the pass blocking unit is, the pass rushes get better in the postseason as well. So that's been a strength of this team, but dealing with Nick Bosa and Micah Parsons and everything that the Eagles can bring to the table. Again, it's a different proposition. So, you know, the, the, the note of caution is not even necessarily big areas of concern for the Packers. It's just that the difficulty is going to get ramped up if this is a playoff team that wants to make noise once they get there. No, big time. I think that is cause for concern. And then, you know, just being a young team, being volatile and just making sure you don't have those moments where you kind of beat yourself again, like a lot of the times that they did earlier in this season. But as you mentioned, five very winnable games moving forward. And if they can get four out of five, five out of five of those with the three wins they just had, like you said, nobody's going to be super excited about playing this team. And they could potentially get the Lions, who they just beat a couple weeks ago as well, which would be an interesting matchup. Speaking of those Detroit Lions, I wanted to ask you just a couple uh, like end of season award type questions really quick. I wanted to start with coach of the year. Dan Campbell, at least last I checked, was still one of the favorites to win. You've got D'Amico Ryan's in the conversation, Mike McDaniel, Shane Steichen, and then Matt LaFleur is in the mix with like four or five other guys right around the same right after those initial four. My first question is, where are you at is like who the coach of the year is right now? And then the follow up is, if Matt does go four and one, five and zero oh the rest of the way, just how real of an opportunity would this be for Matt to potentially win coach of the year? Yeah. I mean, if Green Bay wins out or anything like it, I think LaFleur has a really good case. This was not a team that was expected to be in the playoffs, let alone on the playoffs with momentum, you know, heading in the right direction. And with that December win streak still intact, I think that would be a, a pretty, that would be a pretty impressive resume to put in front of people as a coach of the year type of candidate. Um, I think Dan Campbell right now has a really good case um, that the Lions, it was more expected. You know, they were supposed to be a good team, but they have been. And albeit with a kind of weird punctuated defeat every few weeks, which sort of yep. every time you're willing to buy into the Lions as, you know, really good, a true contender, they get absolutely annihilated by Baltimore. You know, they lose to Green Bay on Thanksgiving. And it's like, it's just a bum note every few weeks to make you kind of question what you're seeing. Um, you know, other than that, it's a bit like the rest of the NFL this year, like MVP. I, I don't know. There's an amazing case uh, to be made for anybody right now. I think coach of the year is similar. There's a lot of good cases. I don't know that there's one outstanding one like um, John Harbaugh, I think, is a really good case as well. The Ravens are, are charging for that number one seed. Um, but I think you can make a reasonable case for half a dozen people. And I don't know that any one of them is uh, incredible. Yeah, I think these next five weeks will ultimately decide it. I think D'Amico Ryan, Shane Steichen, what they're doing with those specific teams deserves a ton of credit, but this could go in a variety of different directions. And I think LaFleur is right in it. If he can finish out the season the way that these past four or five weeks have gone, uh, would be, like you said, a really impressive resume for him. I wanted to touch base on that MVP really quick because you wrote a great article over on PFF, uh, just kind of making the case for Tyree Kill. And, and I'm with you. I think he absolutely at least deserves to be at minimum in the conversation for an award that, is basically a quarterback's award at this point, but Hill, Hill's right there with what he's done this year. Yeah, and, and part of that is based, I, I think a very specific set of stars have to align for a wide receiver to have any shot at MVP. They've, they've, a wide receiver has never won MVP, ever. Like running backs have won MVP. A kicker somehow has won MVP. Wide <laughs> receiver's never done it. Um, in part, because anytime a wide receiver has an amazing season, there's almost an automatic correspondence from the quarterback that's throwing in the ball, having an amazing season. And that guy's going to get all the credit. Uh, yep. So number one, the first thing that needs to happen is the quarterback needs to be 
there needs to be enough there for you to be convinced that the wide receiver is the bigger part of that than the quarterback. Um, number two, it needs to be a down year for quarterbacks, or at least no obvious MVP candidate, which we just talked about. I think that is the case this year. There's nobody having an incredible season where they're like, that guy's getting 48 of the 50 MVP votes. It's got to be a scattered field. Um, And then you need to be able to construct this argument that the wide receiver is the valuable thing in the offense and not the quarterback. And I think for Tyreek Hill, you can do that, it's more of a multiple year kind of thing. And it's it's not going to be the most intellectually honest argument you've ever made in your life, but you can make it, right? You can start yeah. plotting all these data points and say, all right, Tyreek Hill turned Alex Smith from like the most conservative quarterback in the NFL into a guy that led the league in deep passing, right? Um, you can say the second that Tyreek Hill uh, arrived in Miami, that Tua went from being like just a guy to helming the league's most potent offense. Patrick Mahomes now is struggling to find a passing a passing rhythm a year after Tyreek Hill left the team. Each one of those things has got like extra confounding factors. It's it's not as simple as that, but you can at least make the argument that Tyreek Hill is the most important element in each one of those things. And you add that to the fact that he's he's on pace to shatter the record for receiving over a single year. He's already got like two and a half times the touchdowns that Calvin Johnson had the year where he set that record. Like he's having objectively one of the best wide receiver seasons in history. And you can make the argument that he's got the value element as well. So, you know, a wide receiver may never win MVP. It may never happen. But I think you can at least make as strong an argument for Tyree Kill this year as you can for any other player. Totally agreed. My guess is we probably get the same league usual situation where Tyree Kill wins offensive player of the year and a quarterback who gets the MVP, but he absolutely deserves to be in the conversation. All right, Sam, before we get you out of here, quick thoughts on Packers Giants Monday night football, bizarro double Monday night football uh, week uh, this week, but Packers Giants are one of them. I think they get the main one with uh, Aikman and Joe Buck, but uh, thoughts on the game. Yeah, I mean, the Giants have become an intriguing team to watch. Tommy DeVito started off as just a meme and, a you know, a, a guy that his family is amazing as a story, but he hasn't played badly. Like Tommy DeVito no. has actually been intriguing in this offense and they're starting to get bits and pieces back. You know, Andrew Thomas is, is one of the best left tackles in the NFL. Him returning is a huge boost to that offense. But Daniel Jones, I think we sort of saw how much he was dragging this situation you know, making bad into worse because Tyrod Taylor looked different in that offense and Tommy DeVito's looked different in that offense as well. So, you know, the, the Giants, they're not good. They, they they should lose. There's too many weaknesses in this team, but they're dangerous. I mean, they can make some plays. They've got some explosive players uh, on offense. They've got Dexter Lawrence on defense. Like these are things that can hurt any team in the NFL. So it's not a team you can just switch off and assume you're going to beat and move on to the next one. No, and they've had extra time for rest. They're coming off their bye week. It's Monday Night Football, so they're on extended, extended rest. This is an intriguing one to me, and you're coming off, like I said, Green Bay's got the three straight wins. They're feeling all the confidence in the world, and sometimes these are like, I don't know if I want to call it a trap game, but they just come up on you quick, and all of a sudden you're thinking everything's going good, and Tommy DeVito punches you right in the face, and you don't know what hit you. I think it's going to be an interesting one, and this is a great way, I think, to get Green Bay if, with these final five games. If they can get this one, I think then you've got Tampa at home, you've got Carolina on the road, and like you can get trending in the right direction in those games as well. Um, a loss here would definitely be a little bit of a setback and would definitely leave you with some work to do over the final month of the season. 
Sam, amazing stuff as always. Always love chatting with you every single week. Tell the amazing people where they can find all of your incredible work. Yeah, the PFF NFL podcast, wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. That's where we are. And hey, make sure to check it out. Find him at PFF underscore Sam. You can find me at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Packaday Podcast. For Sam, I'm Andy. Until next time, and as always, go Pack Go. 